everybody, and welcome back to the Kelly Green Hour. I'm your host, Audrey Hero, and joining me as always is Connor. And Connor, we have a lot to discuss today as the news finally came down and the retooling and rebuilding of the Philadelphia Eagles is underway. How you doing, man? Good, man. It, yeah, it's been a roller coaster ride. That's that's probably the best definition of what the last like 48 hours have been. And and like, I mean, I just can't I can't wait to get into it because like the Philadelphia media and the the buildup of this this market for Wentz. It, there is so many things that you can sit there and say, wow, they 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 were smart. They tried. And then you see it all falling apart and you're like, man, nobody fell for it. Nobody fell for any of this. I just can't wait to get into it. This this has been a roller coaster ride of 48 hours. I mean, some people would say it's been a couple weeks in the making, but really it, it sounds like there was an initial offer made by by Indianapolis and that was it it doesn't sound like it might it sounds like some people might have called but that was the extent of it a call it sounds like the Chicago Bears and whatever uh I think it was Natalie Eganolf got for whatever source said it clearly wasn't right clearly incorrect um people got too hyped people ready to bring Foles back to be the starting quarterback for crying out loud yeah so before we get into that uh Please follow us on Twitter at Kelly Green Hour. You can follow Connor on Twitter at Connor10. And follow me on Twitter at LJHorrell54. Wherever you're listening to us, please rate and review the show. Um, You can DM us on on the Kelly Green Hour Twitter or our personal Twitters. Um, If there's something you want us to talk about, if you have any suggestions, anything like that, we're we're doing everything we can to improve the show. So you're right, Connor. There was a lot of talk going on of where will Carson go. And obviously it was the Colts and only the Colts. The Colts were bidding or the Eagles were trying to get the Colts to bid against themselves or Howie Roseman was. And Chris Ballard, the GM of the Colts, said, no, I'm smarter than you and I'm better than you. And Howie got played. Howie, I I told you, I told you yesterday I was going to say this about 100 times, but I'm going to say it once and one time only. Howie Roseman needs to be fired. He is the problem with the Philadelphia Eagles. Jeff Lurie needs to realize that. Uh, Carson Wentz didn't have an issue with Lurie, didn't have an issue with Sirianni. He he did not take any calls or would not talk to Howie Roseman. Howie Roseman does not know what he's doing anymore. He's not going to be able to build. He ruined a Super Bowl caliber football team in three years by kicking money down the road now that we're, you know, putting us in a terrible cap situation this year by wanting to have full say over the roster in terms of who's going to be active on game day. And then you saw it play out where the game day roster was awful. We, we had no depth on the team. He got lucky in 2017. We're fortunate that we got that Super Bowl championship because until Howie Roseman is gone, the Eagles were probably not going to be a playoff team. They are this year upcoming as much as we're, we're waiting for the Philadelphia Eagles football to come back. And we want to see what Nick Sirianni can do and what Jalen Hurts is going to be able to do and Miles Sanders and what the team is going to look like. They are going to be a bottom feeder team this year. And yes, in 2022, they may have $80 million in cap space, but I do and and have an extra first round pick if Carson plays 75% of the snaps or 70% of the snaps and they make the playoffs, whichever happens. The Eagles will get a first round pick. We'll get into the details of the trade in a little bit, but they could have two first round picks, $80 million in cap space. And I do not trust Howie Roseman to put a championship caliber team together. They need to get a real 
general manager in here bef- and get rid of Howie Roseman or d- nothing, nothing's going to change. This is what the Philadelphia Eagles are going to be like. Howie Roseman does not know what the hell he's doing right now. They let Andrew Barry go to, go to Cleveland. Cleveland is, is a playoff team. They let Joe Douglas go to the Jets. Joe Douglas is going to build that Jets team. You know, when he starts bringing in his pieces, they have a chance in the AFC East now, now that, you know, Brady's not with the Patriots anymore. And I know the Bills are going to be really good. And, and the Dolphins have a lot of, of assets that they can build a team. But the Jets are going are, are gonna to turn it around. Why? What, what does Jeffrey Lurie see? What, who does Howie Roseman have pictures of that he is still the general manager of the Philadelphia Eagles? It makes zero sense. The Eagles are not going to improve and not going to be a championship caliber team until you get rid of Howie Roseman. Yeah, I mean, we we started off our offseason, Kelly Green hours, by saying there was only one way to really go about this the start of this offseason. And it was not high, fire Doug Peterson. It was fire Howie and Doug or fire Howie. But it, it was I either think it Doug. Have to be I Doug, don't think you could have brought Doug back. I, I Well, I, I agree in that sense. But, like, it had to be either package deal or if there was only one that was going, it had to be Howie. That, that's, that's the point. Like, it could not just be. Like, I, I feel like Doug didn't really have a vision. I feel like Jeffrey Lurie, in, in what we've learned about the situation with Doug, it's true. Doug didn't really have a vision for the future, and, and Jeffrey Lurie didn't like that. And I'm, I don't know how much involvement Howie Roseman had in the process with Doug Peterson's firing, but I feel like Jeffrey Lurie took the Doug Peterson firing more personally and more as his personal job to figure out if, if Doug had a vision. And... If Doug and Howie's visions could come together, whatever Howie's vision is, God knows. But, um, I mean, at the end of the day, it just feels like like they both had to go. It had to be both. It had to be a whole hit reset of the button. Take all the dead cap. Like, so there's a lot of people who are like, I can't believe we took on $33 million dead and all this. First of all, I think people need to understand the raw basics of an NFL contract guarantee when you trade a contract you cannot trade the guarantees the guarantees stay with you and that's what your dead money is so you can't get rid of this 33 million dollars that's why my big thing with with the Carson Wentz situation was get let him play it out try one more year because the dead cap hit is way less next season it was instrumentally different if you have Carson Wentz on the roster and then next year no one's crying about the dead cap hit no one's looking at the historically high dead cap hit that it took but we have to remember we guaranteed this guy 100 million dollars at signing or 100 million dollars in the first two years 65 million at signing 33 million was what was guaranteed for this season and that is what we are eating right now so for for the people who might be upset that why couldn't we trade the contract why couldn't we get rid of the 33 million you just couldn't this was either you eat it or you use Carson Wentz for this season you play Carson Wentz this season and the next season your dead cap hit was like almost half of what it was this season that was I think it was 20 million dollars next season or something like that it would have been a lot less but instead we moved him for a, a second, what's likely going to turn into a first based on what we've seen from Carson Wentz since the ACL tear of 2017. Um, and, and I mean, yeah, good. We get the extra first round pick, but I mean, look at the first round picks we have. Like you said, do, do you really trust Howie to take advantage of an additional first round pick or an additional second round pick? 
because I don't, you don't, because he hasn't been able to put together a decent draft yet. And now these rumors are emerging of they might draft a quarterback at six. The needs are all over the defense, all over the offense. And the need is not, I get that you want to create a QB competition, which is fine. You have two firsts next year. The draft class at quarterback is decent again next season. There's always, it's always pretty heavy at the top because there's always teams looking for a quarterback. So next year, you're going to have, you're going to have two, likely two first round picks. You can look at a quarterback again next year, but the, the, if you traded Carson Wentz and, because of Jalen Hurts, you have to imagine in the mind that, well, A, Carson Wentz wanted out, B, that J- you saw enough in that small-ass sample size of Jalen Hurts that you want to go and roll with Jalen Hurts. Bring in a cheap free agent. Bring in Ryan Fitzpatrick. Bring in someone to breathe down Jalen Hurts' neck, but Jalen that Jalen Hurts will take a friendly competition with. Don't d- bring in another draft pick. Don't waste a high-end draft pick on another quarterback I just the rumor that that's just crazy to me and now uh, Matt Miller dropped a bomb last night which actually isn't really a bomb because it actually seems super too obvious way too obvious that there's a lot of buzz around Trey Lance and the Eagles yeah and, and Trey Lance actually kind of has the same build as as Jalen Hurts so it would make sense but I I, I no do not you, you have a, the sixth pick do not draft a quarterback Trevor Lawrence is the only, I think, legit quarterback in this year's draft. I, I don't trust Justin Fields because uh, we've seen the track record of Ohio State quarterbacks the last, you know, the last couple, Dwayne Haskins and Cardell Jones. Like, no, I don't trust them. Zach Wilson, I don't, th- I, I think he's another Taysom Hill. I, I don't, I don't see him being a legit starting quarterback. Trey Lance, I don't, we haven't seen enough of him. We saw him one year. I don't, and I don't even think with with the F, FCS starting up this week, I don't even think he's quarterbacking North Dakota State because why would you? You know, you you have a chance to be a top ten draft pick. Why would you put yourself in harm's way with with the opportunity to to earn all that money? So like, mm-hmm. I, I don't. And Mac Jones, you don't take him at six. He's going to be a back end of the first rounder type. I, I would not. You're right. You, you go out, you sign a free agent. If the Bears release Nick Foles, whatever, bring bring Nick Foles in. I think, I think you can't do that. I think that that's the one move I cannot wrap my head around is why bring Nick Foles back. He's got a statue out front of the link. He He's there. He's forever enshrined there. Let's let's move on from that. Like, honestly, I mean, let's I, move I on from that. You, Does he really I, create a good quarterback competition when all you know well, is this is a Philly special guy? This so is a guy who won the I'm Eagles their first is, Super Bowl. Look, I would think about Ryan Fitzpatrick, but Fitzpatrick's going to want to start. I think he, he he has probably one opportunity left to start. I don't know where it's going to be, but he's not going to really start here. Um, and so what other quarterbacks are out there that, that I mean, are they going to trade for Deshaun Watson? Because that's not happening. Uh, do they bring in a Teddy Bridgewater? Um, like, I'm just trying to think off the top of my head, which what quarterbacks would you bring in that could, quote-unquote, compete? Because – at this point in time, like if, since you've traded Carson, just see what you have in Jalen Hurst because he's so he's young. He's got that second round, you know, contract, so he's going to be cheap. This this upcoming year is going to be the year we all know that the Eagles are going to suck. It's going to be a terrible year. So see what you have in, in Jalen because, as you had mentioned, 
if that first that second conditional second that you get from the Colts turns into a first and you're going to be bad, so you'll be back into the top 10, you have a chance to draft a quarterback next year. So you don't waste the sixth pick this year. You have, as you mentioned, needs elsewhere, receiver, offensive line, cornerback, cornerback linebacker. Safety, um, but safety. there's not enough high-end safeties. So, but. like, again, I, I always say time and time again, Jamar Chase, Devontae Smith, Patrick Sertan. If one of those three are there at number six, you don't even take the full 10 minutes. You take 10 seconds. You put their name on. You call in. That's who you take. You don't even contemplate trading back. You don't contemplate a quarterback because it makes zero sense. Like, you don't put – and as you mentioned, and I'll reiterate, you don't put yourself in that position to where you go – you know, you're going to bring in a another top 10 uh, – bring in a top 10 quarterback when you just drafted a quarterback, which you should not have drafted. The Eagles did this to themselves because mm-hmm. they there were so many needs that – that they could that they had last year, you could have taken Jeremy Chin. Uh, you could have taken offensive lineman. But no, they were like, we're not going to miss out on the next Russell Wilson. Jalen Hurts is not going to be Russell Wilson. So I blame the Philadelphia Eagles for where they're at right now and for Howie Roseman, or I should say I blame Howie Roseman since he didn't want to listen to the scouts and whatnot. Uh, um, but yeah, Howie Roseman deserves the blame for where the Philadelphia Eagles are now, are now where he got bamboozled in this trade. He thought he was going to be able to create a market for Carson. And look, all these people are like, Carson didn't talk. This, that, sir. It's a good thing Carson didn't talk. Because if Carson would have talked, he would have talked about how he wanted out. And that that possible first and third that you got could have turned into a fourth and a fifth. So you, so Howie, I guess, got what he could get. But he misread the market entirely. Well, I feel like this is like a – you remember Zach Ertz. He tried to take advantage of a hot market. Same thing happened with Howie. He tried to take advantage of a hot market at the quarterback position. And I kind of feel like if I was Zach Ertz, I'd be like, not so easy to do, is it? Kind of mm-hmm. a, you know, look look at what you did kind of situation. But yeah, this is all 100% self-induced. Um, and when I'm looking at free agent quarterbacks this year, and I'm just saying, none of these guys are going to start. But if you want to build a simplistic offense with a similar offensive set for for Jalen Hurts as his competitor, Mitchell Trubisky's on the market, mm. Tyrod Taylor's on the market, That's right. or Cam Newton's on the market. Tra- you want Jacobi. someone with some sort of mobility so that, you know, you you can build just one. Because one thing that we've seen with our backup quarterbacks, it's always a dramatically different set of, of like, game plan. Almost all, polar opposite game plan. So I think... Based on Nick Sirianni's opening press conference, he wants simplicity for the team. So the best way to get simplicity for the team is to look at a quarterback really similar to Jalen Hurts and build an offense that's going to be built around Jalen Hurts and an offense. And if you're going to bring in someone to compete, the thing like the thing with me is like you could look at an Andy Dalton, but he's so different. You can look at Ryan Fitzpatrick. Fitzpatrick moves around, but he's more of a stay-in-the-pocket type of guy. You don't want that. But Trubisky moves. Taylor moves. Cam Newton moves. Those Jacoby are people Brissett. who— Exactly. Jacoby Brissett's out there. There's people—these people at least move. They have mobility, and, and you can build just one solo offense around that. And I, I think that that's what they have to look at. They have to get into that market of the mobile quarterbacks and not waste that first round pick. I agree with you. It's pretty simple. It's Devontae Smith, it's Jamar Chase, it's Patrick Sertan. And if by any free chance 
Penny Sewell drops by two teams who majorly, majorly need offensive line help. I think we take him there. And I understand that our offensive line, when healthy, is good. But I don't remember the last time all five guys played all 16 games together and were 100% healthy. So I think it, it's, it's important that if, if that drops, Sewell is like a generational tackle talent that, that we could look at. I mean, I know that we wasted the pick on Andre Dillard and now there's rumors going around that Andre Dillard could be also be on his way out uh, as a part of a package with Zach Ertz or something. What? So be, I think that's a bad decision. I think you can move him into left guard. I think he could make a pretty good guard um, and instead of a tackle. Um, a guard you don't have to lean on as much as a tackle and stuff. And being on the left side, he's already got the fundamentals and for being on the left side of the line and stuff. So I think that would help solidify the offensive line a bit more. I think offensive line as a need is often overstated, but I do think that we need to start getting some mid-round offensive line talent to develop behind people. We definitely need to focus year over year. We've de- we've almost denied the fact that that. Kelsey is aging and we haven't put anyone behind him to develop and to prepare for the future. So I think it goes without saying this year that round two, now that we have two picks and round three, definitely you need to start looking at some prospects who play solely or more specifically centered around the center position because we have to accept that the reality is coming for Kelsey. And if he sees Philadelphia entering into this full-on rebuild mode, then there's a good chance that he says, boys, this isn't worth it. Sorry, Howie, this isn't worth it. We have two second rounds this year? I thought we only had one this year. Or it might just be one. Is it? No. Yeah, it might just be one. Because the second rounder, conditional first, is next year. Um See, I agree with you. I also think that they think Isaac Sayamalu could play center. But if I, if I'm if in the second round, if he's there, I'm taking Landon Dickerson, who played center at Alabama this year. He's really good. There's uh, a think- few. There's a few. Like I've done some mock drafts and I've read up on some of the centers and and there's some good centers, but they're not high end. There's round two, round three, so you can yeah. Landon Dickerson, Landon then Dickerson, I think is like a a back end in the first round. But if he can slip to that sixth pick in the second round. I jump all over him. You get, you I do go. believe uh, Landon Dickerson has a red flag in on the injury side, though. Well, which... he because so in the um in the 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 semifinal game against uh, who the hell did they play? Notre Dame. Um, whoever whoever Alabama played, I think it was Notre Dame. Um, in that semifinal game, he did hurt his knee. Um, so uh, that is kind of a, a, a red flag. But he he seems like the type of guy that I think that he'll he'll be able to come back. They also let him snap in the championship game at the end on on one of the uh, on the uh, at the end when they were doing the victory formation, which I thought was awesome by Nick Saban. Um, like everybody talks about how Nick Saban's such a hard ass, but he really does respect his players and al- allowing Dickerson to go out there at the end of the game, his last game in the Alabama uniform, championship game, to go out there and the, and to snap the ball to Mac Jones. Like, I thought that that was pretty cool. But, yeah, I'm a, I'm a Dickerson fan. Uh, obviously, like, the Alabama offensive linemen usually are pretty good. Um, and, and he's no different. So we'll, we'll see. I, again, it comes down into faith in Howard. And I have zero. You have zero. A lot of fans have zero 
and don't trust Howie Roseman. It's important, I think, for Howie Roseman to realize that if you're going to truly enter a rebuild, you're going to eat all this dead salary cap and you're going to say, all right, let's start fresh. Like I, I can retool or hopefully he can retool on the fly because I do think that there's still the potential here that we're not a 10-year, five-year mess like Miami or some other teams out there who have been rebuilding, the Detroit Lions who've been rebuilding forever. Um, I think that you can do a two- to three-year turnaround on it, especially with the shape of the NFC East, but you have to get out and get on top of it early because Washington looked pretty good. Dallas is a quarterback, and Jerry Jones getting the hell out of the front office away from being probably really good. Uh, The New York Giants, as much as they look ugly on paper, are not as far off as people think if they focus on the right needs. So as quickly as the NFC East can turn around, Philadelphia has to turn around just as quickly. And and that begins with retooling where the major needs are. Across from Darius Slay, there's a major, major need. Uh, wide receiver, despite Jalen Reger going in round one last year, there's still a major, major need. And along the offensive line, Kelsey, I, I think this year or next year, this will be it. If he comes back for one more year, I honestly think that this is actually going to be it for Kelsey. So there's a major, massive need, a Hall of Fame missing need in the middle of that offensive line that is so vitally important um there's needs everywhere it's like tight end too there's a need there there's some there's some needs that you can push down the board a little bit but there's some needs that are going to be at the top of the board a game-changing wide receiver um a, a, a replacing a future hall of fame center um there's there's a cornerback across from there say safety i think people ignore how how big of a need safety is about to be we have rodney mcleod and after that we have a bunch of guys that were barely given an opportunity last year so without bringing Jalen mills back there is a screaming hole up at the safety position so i think that we need to remember there's some high-end needs and how he needs to realize that those are the high-end needs as well and quarterback just isn't on that list except in free agency where you might be able to get a guy on a on a dirt cheap contract and and that's what i'm hoping that they do and not waste that first round pick on a rookie quarterback because then you're looking at are you wasted a second rounder on a rookie quarterback a first rounder on a rookie quarterback hindsight 2020 the jalen hurts pick might have been a smart pick but there's no way it's a smart pick if you then again invest in the quarterback position with the sixth pick in the draft this year I do think, going back to your safety position, we do need safety, but I think Devon Wallace is going to have a big second year. And I think he'll actually be given the opportunity. I didn't know if Jim Schwartz allowed – Jim Schwartz had Jim Schwartz guys in there, and that's who he wanted to play, and I don't think he saw Kevon Wallace as a Jim Schwartz guy. So, which is which is 100% fair. You know what? I understand, but at this point, when we look at a team need, it's not this guy could take the step. It's right now there's a hole there. There's a guy who could jump in who has some high upside and a nice ceiling. But at this point, that's all we know is uh, it could be. So to me, that's a hole. Like we can't we can't just look at the upside. Jordan Mailata continues to have upside at the left tackle position. But I still look at that left tackle position and cringe at what might happen between him and Andre Dillard next season and stuff. So that's where having a mobile quarterback would definitely help because Jalen Jalen Hurts may be running for his life next year. Who knows? But um, speak. Let's let's talk about this Carson Wentz. I know we we've touched on it, but so the Eagles traded Carson Wentz to the Colts for a third round pick this year and a conditional second round pick next year, where it can become 
excuse me, a first round pick if Carson plays 75% of the snaps or he plays 70% of the snaps and the Colts make the playoffs. Um, I think a lot of, a lot of experts around, you know, the, the NFL world were kind of laughing at the Eagles saying the Eagles got bamboozled, um, that the Colts won the trade. The Colts, the Colts put out a tweet with Frank, right? A, a picture of Frank Reich and him smiling. And I thought that that kind of was a shot of the, of the Colts laughing at the Eagles. Um, a lot, you know, a lot of people on Inst- uh, not Instagram, excuse me, a lot of people on Twitter, a lot of people on Facebook, um, like, how is that? That's all the Eagles got. Like, for Sam Bradford, I know the need for Minnesota at the time was was huge because they thought that they were a championship caliber team when Teddy Bridgewater got hurt, but the Eagles got a first-round pick for Sam Bradford. They got a second-round pick for freaking A.J. Feely. Uh, they got a second-round pick for Nick Foles, I think. They got a second-round pick for... Uh, I mean, like for a bunch of backups or for Kevin Cobb, like, and they got um, DRC out of that trade too. Like, how is it that the Eagles were able to trade all these quarterbacks that weren't that as good as Carson for like higher, higher than what they were drafted picks. And then they go and trade Carson Wentz for what they, what they got. And none of it makes sense. When I saw it, when you, when you had when texted me and were like, yeah, Carson trade it. And then I saw what the the uh, the deal was. I was flabbergasted. It, it made zero sense. Like Howie Roseman, I, I'm done with Howie, and everybody knows I'm done with Howie. Like they they need to find a way to build this team up. And I don't know if Howie's that guy. And he got again. I said it before. Chris Ballard played him, and Chris Ballard got the best of them. And I, I do think that the Colts now, with the coaching staff the Colts have, with the defense the Colts have, with you know, you know that running game, that offensive line they bring back, you know T.Y. Hilton and with Pittman, like the Colts are going to be a really good team because Frank Reich knows how to use Carson Wentz, and I think that's what it comes down to because obviously Doug and Carson didn't see eye to eye if they weren't talking for like ten weeks, which makes how the head coach and the starting quarterback aren't talking for 10 weeks is mind blowing. Yeah, that that when that report came out I was like, "Oof, god, this is uh this is ugly." But I do as I as I did say on the Kelly Green Hour account uh Twitter account a couple times, I do 100% respect Carson Wentz's ability to not talk, to not come out, to not say anything. I think that being silent against the Philadelphia media is the deadliest weapon you can have because then all that you can do is watch them assume and watch them watch them just make assumptions. And when you assume things, it makes an asset of you and, and them. And that and that's what I like to see because they're constantly making themselves making asses of themselves. So Joe I think Gilio that it was the smartest to uh to be exact. Yeah, exactly. I think that that's the smartest decision. And I was listening to NFL series radio yesterday and I can't remember who it was. I was on my drive home from work and they said the smartest thing that that Carson Wentz can do is he's got a lot to prove in Indianapolis. He has no time to talk. He's got to go in. He's got to get to work. You let Frank Reich do the talking for you. You don't have to say a damn word. You just prove you're there. You're worth the money. 
and you're going to bring this, you're going to take this team to the playoffs and maybe even take them to the championship. Try and get a resurgence. You're not going to get 2017 Carson Wentz back. I think that's unrealistic to expect. But a con- something between 2017 and 2019, because we want to completely ignore 2020, something between 27. 27- 2017 and 2019 Carson Wentz is where you want to get back to a guy who can likely be called the top 10 quarterback in the league if only at the back end of the top 10 and can lead your team to the promise and I I think Carson Wentz is better than Philip Rivers so I think that Indianapolis is getting off really well um and also like better arm than Rivers he has a better arm. I, he he has the mobility. As much as we say he's not mobile, Carson Wentz is way more mobile than than we give him credit. Than Eagles fans give him credit to be. I think he's quite mobile. And I think behind an offensive line who gave up a total of, and I kid you not, numbers are this low. 18 sacks allowed by this Indianapolis offensive line. Didn't Carson get sacked 60 times last year. Carson Wentz was sacked 62 times, 11 self-induced. So take away his 11 self-induced ones, and and it's it's 51. But that's still an absurd number. And then you look at them, 18. Like, the numbers are crazy. 18 sacks, 29 QB hits allowed, 107 hurries, and 154 pressures. That was Indianapolis' well, offensive line. The one, big difference between, the one big difference between Carson and Phillip, not to interrupt you, though. Philip Rivers does get rid of the ball faster than Carson. So that's one thing Carson will have to work on. He, you know, see the read, get rid of the football, let the receivers, tight ends, running backs do damage with the ball. Don't hold on to it. 100%. I, I couldn't agree more, but I do and I do but I do think that that's something that Frank Reich will work on and that's something that Frank Reich knows that he can work on because he's seen the capabilities, the 2017 Carson Wentz capabilities and what he can do. Carson Wentz was able to get the ball off pretty quick at times and it just felt like it got slower and slower and slower as the offensive pace of game that Doug Peterson called got slower and slower and slower through the years. So it just feels like Carson Wentz is a really good opportunity here in Indianapolis. And I think the biggest winner of this trade is 100% Carson Wentz. And if he keeps his mouth shut, puts his head down, puts his nose to the grindstone and puts in the work, I think he's going to be really, really good in Indianapolis. And I think a lot of people are sleeping on him. And I'm not guaranteeing anything about Jalen Hurts. The sample size is super, super small. The only thing I know is based on his college history and getting benched at halftime and and then getting benched for two all together and then going to Oklahoma he he's I'm certain he's a stronger individual than Carson Wentz mentally if they bring a quarterback in to compete I'm certain of that with Jalen Hurts yeah he is and yeah that that's I think the one big difference between Indianapolis and Philadelphia is the media Indianapolis media like they may have a handful 10 guys covering the team Philadelphia media, they have like 100 guys covering the team. So, like, I don't think the media in Indianapolis is going to be all gung-ho about if Carson doesn't talk for, for, for whatever reason. They're not going to be calling him out every day like the Philadelphia media. And, and I think that, that that will be a big mental uh, – good, good for Carson's mental in Indianapolis because you won't have – and, obviously, I mean, Carson doesn't – doesn't listen to the media, doesn't watch, like, doesn't listen to sports talk radio, doesn't listen or watch, probably watch sports highlights, ESPN and all that. So, like, who knows if he knows what's been said about him in Philadelphia, but he's not going to have to worry about that in Indianapolis. He'll do his one press conference a, 
<clears throat> he'll do his one press conference a week, and and there'll be probably softball questions because Indianapolis media is probably not as tough as Philadelphia media, and he'll go about his merry way doing what he needs to do and be being successful in Indianapolis. So, I mean, we won't see Carson Wentz. You know, the Eagles play in Indianapolis in 2022, so that'll be interesting. And if Carson is still in the league in 2026 with the Colts and he comes to Philly, I'm I'm really intrigued with that reception would be like and obviously that's way down the road um but yeah hopefully um the the eagles and Carson. i I don't know i i think carson is going to to do very well all the things that that have been mentioned because of the structure there the coaching the offensive line you know frank Reich, as you mentioned definitely knows his strengths and is going to play to his strengths unlike doug peterson so Carson's definitely going to be successful in Indianapolis. Oh, definitely. Yeah, like I said, the biggest winner of this trade has to be Carson Wentz be- because it's so tough to say what's going to happen with those picks. If that second becomes a first, then we're talking about the trade in a little better light. But if Carson Wentz takes Indy to the playoffs, takes takes Indy deep, dare we say it takes Indy to the Super Bowl, which is tough to say. The AFC is tough. It's a tough division. It's a, a, a tough conference. It's a conference that's actually continuing to continuously improve. And Miami's getting better. Some of these rebuilding teams are getting better year over year. So it's going to become an even more competitive conference. But, I mean, Indy's there. Indy was like a good, reliable quarterback away. I mean, Phillip Rivers was decent. Phillip Rivers did good work. But, I mean, you got to be able to throw the ball down the field. You got to be able to open the field up. And the thing with Phillip Rivers is you were never that fearful of a deep ball. You were never that fearful of what he was going to do. But, I mean, you look at that offensive line. You look at Jonathan Taylor. Tight end. There's so many rumors going around that Kyle Pitts could be the pick at tight end for them. Or they could trade for Zach Ertz. Or trade for Zach Ertz or sign Hunter Henry or look at the free agent class. Speaking of Kyle Pitts and not to change the subject, the Eagles better not draft him at number six. I don't think you take a tight end that high. No, I mean, a lot of people compare him to like a hybrid wide receiver tight end. But if you're looking, if you're staring Jamar Chase down and Kyle Pitts down, I 100% am going with with going Jamar Chase all day, every day. Jamar Chase will 100% open the field for you more than Kyle Pitts. Because you, there's only so much you draw out in a playbook for a tight end, and it usually doesn't involve them going 30, 40 yards downfield and really blowing the field wide open. And I, and I think the Eagles are going to be fine with Dallas Goddard and Richard Rodriguez as – or Richard Rodriguez, I'm sorry. Richard Rodgers <laughs> as um, as your two, to your top two tight ends. I think that's what let, – let it ride, with there, ride there. You know, while Kyle Pitts has a chance to be really good, you, he's not – I don't think you take a tight end that high. It just doesn't make sense. So, like, the worst thing the Eagles could do, take Pitts, take a quarterback, or trade back. If any of those three happen, the city of Philadelphia is going to uh, go down to the Nova Carrier I, I do want to defend the trade back for a minute. It makes sense if all the people are gone, but that yeah, would mean that the gone. quarterback market will completely flatline sometime between now and, and draft day. If somehow Jamar Chase is gone, Patrick Sertan is gone, Penny Sewell is gone, Devontae Smith is gone, and that means that maybe two quarterbacks went and you're willing to trade back, that would be some freak accident in the draft if that happens. Just saying. Well, I mean, but that would be the only anything, defensible reason to move back. I would consider, you know, what's his name? Caleb Farley, I think, from Virginia Tech, the cornerback. Like, you, we've talked about how they need that second corner across from – Darius Slay. So, like, 
there will be somebody there, not at the quarterback position, even if Chase, Sertan, and Devontae Smith are all gone. I mean, that's just me. And that's from doing and, and it's very rare that the Eagles pick this high. And while they, again they may be picking this high again next year, but like how many times do the Eagles pick this high? It doesn't happen all that often. Donovan was the number two pick. Uh, Lane Johnson was the number four pick. Carson Wentz was the number two pick. Like Carson was a trade. That was a trade a up. Heavy investment. So, so two times in what, 23 years, 20, 22 years, that the Eagles have picked in the top five, if, if I'm remembering correctly. Like, so you don't draft a quarterback just because. You draft for need. And they, while they may have a need at quarterback, I don't think the quarterbacks in this draft outside of Trevor Lawrence are worth picking at number six. That's just mm-hmm. my thoughts. Yeah, and I agree with you on Richard Rodgers. I think like Richard Rodgers actually outperformed Zach Ertz last year on a per-game average, since I don't want to look at the overall season because of Zach Ertz's injury issues. But the fact that Richard Rodgers was able to outperform on that basis, to me, is like... Why why not bring him back? He'd be a way cheaper alternative. You could draft tight end later in the draft. It's not a deep, deep class, but say you get to round three and like Pat Fryermuth is there or Hunter Long is there or there's some intriguing options like Brevin Jordan, even if he's there. Well, then then we can talk because then like you bring Richard Rodgers back and then you got this other guy, some of these other guys who are really good yards after the catch tight ends, something we never saw from Zach Ertz. Zach Ertz was the king of the catch the ball drop to the ground. But that's that's my opinion on it. You, If you want to go round three, round four, go tight end, but I'm, bring Richard Rodgers back, I'm 100% for that yeah. because I think Richard Rodgers with a bigger role could actually do really well because whenever he's been given a bigger role, indifferent in from some other people, when he gets a bigger role, Richard Rodgers actually does really really well with it when goddard was out nerds was out he was outperforming most of our wide receivers on a week in and week out basis yeah he definitely had faith from from the quarterbacks too and and you think about it if if the eagles if and when the eagles trade zach Ertz, that'll be another hopefully a pick this year and how he doesn't like settle for something next year but like that that'll be another asset that you could use towards possibly a tight end and you know a, a, another need whether it's on the defensive side of the ball. And then, so so let's talk about, so the Eagles released Deshaun Jackson. They're going to release Alshon. They're going to release Malik Jackson. You know, there's all this talk of what do they do with, you know, Fletcher Cox, which hopefully he's here. He Again, you know, there, there are those players that you think should retire in an Eagles uni- uniform. And obviously, if Brian Dawkins doesn't retire, like play his entire career, anybody can go. But like Fletcher Cox and Brandon Graham, they're two guys that I think should never play for another like that are currently on this team that should never play for another team. Lane Johnson probably should never play for another team. Jason Kelsey should never play for another team. But obviously the Eagles are changing. Like things are changing. The roster that we saw in 2017, even last year, is going to look nothing like the roster we see in 2022. Like the 2022 Philadelphia Eagles, and I'm skipping 2021 because the t- it's going to be a jerk of a season. I'm going to watch every second of it, but it's going to be painful to watch. And maybe not as painful as, like, last year, the offense was stale, the offense was stagnant, and that was just really painful. Like, we knew what Doug Peterson was going to call. The only excitement is going to be, what like, what type of offense is Nick Sirianni going to run? We don't even know because he didn't even call plays in Indianapolis. If we think that they're going to go off of what, you know, if, if we think that Sirianni's going to kind of use that Indianapolis playbook, Miles Sanders is going to be a fantasy, like, 
has a chance to be a, a top five, top ten fantasy player next year if he can stay healthy because they're gonna ride. They're gonna ride Miles Sanders. They're gonna ride Jalen Hurts running the football. Um, so that that's where you know it, it's gonna be interesting. I just want to see how all that comes together. That's kind of what 2021 is gonna be. What does the offense look like? And 2022 is gonna be 80 million dollars of cap space. Let's bring every let's let's build it back up. Because it's going to be tough this year to do that. Absolutely. I mean, I think the best possible decision is you make as many of the moves that put dead cap into 2021 as possible. So that 2022, it's not a ton of dead money. 2023, not a ton of dead money. So you try and nail as much in there. Of course, the Malik Jackson and Alshon Jeffrey moves, it's too late because they restructured the deals earlier in the offseason to push money down the road with them. So obviously it's too late for them. They get re- When they do get released, it does give us more cap relief this season. But I think the majority of the cap relief already came in the restructuring of the deal. So I think it only really opens up just a, a few million dollars if they when they get cut this time around. But it opens up more and more down the road because of the way the restructure worked. But you roll as much of that dead money into it, and it's going to be ugly. We're talking 50, 60, 70 million dollars in dead money. It's going to be damn well ugly. But I prefer to take it in one chunk sum, like we're doing it this year, than 50 this year, 40 next year. 30 the next year just take it now and realize like for the people who are like dreaming up these free agent scenarios we be we will be damn lucky to get under the cap to the point that we can afford our rookies that are incoming we will be damn lucky because we're talking he still has after the deshaun jackson move we're talking he how he still got 42 million dollars in space to clear up well if, if if oh excuse me if i um read it correctly i do think that the the alshon jeffrey and malik jackson actually saved like 20 ish million this year yeah i think i i think it does like i so that that brings us down million so that brings us down to like 20 to 25 over the cap and look as much as i hate howie and he got us into this position i do think that he'll be able to get us under the cap I don't know how I mean, personally, though, when you looked at how bad the cap situation is, when you look at a free agent like the cap table for the Philadelphia Eagles, there was a clear path to get us to even, you know, one million under two million under three million. There was a clear path. And the clear path was Jackson, Jeffrey, um, Jackson again. Uh, moving on from Zach Ertz, uh, Derek Barnett probably has to become a casualty, or you or you re-sign him long term and you push that money down the road a little bit away from next season. Like there was a clear path to get there. It's just how do you get from that you you're one million dollars under the cap to like actually having cap room to play with because obviously you need a certain amount of in the pool in the pot for for your draft picks um and then obviously he's going to want to make a couple moves in free agency you would assume that he's going to make some really cheap veterans minimum moves but these ones where it's like dreaming up these scenarios where you get these big names it's just not going to happen there's no money there there's nothing there unless you can find some guys who are willing to take like a veterans minimum deal like three year veterans minimum on the first year and then have like 10 million in year two and 
10 million in year three it's just not going to happen and for some people might actually there might be actual players who do that because they want jobs passed this year and it looks like a lot of people are going to go one-year contracts until they see what happens next year yeah i was going to say a lot of the players a lot of players this year are going to take one-year deals because a the salary caps is going to be lower but then you b you would think that the tv deal will be in place next year to where the salary cap will balloon and like guys will be able to get bigger contracts. So it might be possible. You could just like you did with Alshon in 2017 before you were signed them. And I know they signed them to what, like a one year, $13 million deal at the time. Um, some 13 or 17, I forget what it was, but that's what I think that the Eagles will be able to do if they're able to get down, get their salary cap low enough or excuse me, get under underneath the salary cap, sign a bunch of guys to one year deals like you did with Jeffrey and Blunt and whatnot and then going into 2022 with that with the the big salary cap number or with you know where you're you're how much you're under the cap to where you you know they could build it up they could bring in guys here to compete for the nfc east and possibly for for a uh, a super bowl but it'll be interesting to see obviously how all that happens and will my, my big my big thing for next year is what happens when they see that jalen hurts is struggling likely struggling because of the whole rebuild mentality or the retooling mentality of, of 2021 and when carson went succeeds how many joe Giulio and esp if they actually walk back a lot of they the won't. stuff that they but i mean esp first of all let's get it let's get that on the straight from what i see from esp he wants another quarterback he wants another he shiny object. Everybody well, does. That's the thing with Philadelphia. They the just backup quarterback. They want team. they want a shiny object so that when someone struggles for a week or two, they can be like, oh well, I mock drafted this guy there. I was so right. Why didn't they take this guy? They always want the shiny object, and that like, listen. I don't agree. You should have the mental strength to know that if they draft a quarterback or they put a quarterback behind you, it's a it's not your job on the line nine times out of ten. It's a security for the team that if you get hurt, that for God for sake, and anything happens, that they're covered on the backside of it. Carson I do just think, took it the wrong way. He mentally took that so, as a shot at who he, how he was playing and 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 what he was going to be like in 2020 and and all this stuff. I just feel like he took it as a complete mental shot. And, well, I agree with you there, but I also think that if you were to take a quarterback this year at number six, it's different because Jalen was drafted just last year in the second round. So if the Eagles were to take a quarterback at number six, like – that's a legit somebody that could come in here and start this year type of thing. Has to and, be. Has to be. And, yeah, and look, like, so I was listening to Joe Gillio the other day or yesterday, and he was just like, he he likes Jalen, but he also expects them to bring in a quarterback, which I think everybody does. I don't know if it's going to be through the draft or that high pick, but he's also talking about like he thinks that the Eagles. His question was over the next five years. Who's going to have more wins, the Eagles or Carson Wentz? And my answer to that is as long as Howie Roseman is the GM of the Eagles, Carson Wentz. Because if Howie Roseman is still here, like, I I have zero faith in him after what has happened since the Super Bowl year. He turned a Super Bowl team into the worst team in the worst division in the history of the NFL. So, like, and, and I think, in Indianapolis, in that structure, in that culture, 
with that offensive line, with that defense, with those weapons, and with a coach that knows his strengths, Carson Wentz is going to succeed. Carson Wentz is going to take the, uh, that Colts team to the playoffs again. Like, I know Philip Rivers did, but I also think that that he has a chance to take them beyond, get into the second round, get into an AFC Championship game. And I, I, like the Eagles aren't going to 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 be able to to, to match that until they get rid of Howie. And I'm sorry, I, only, I know I said I was only going to bring it up once, but I brought it up again. Got to get rid of Howie Russell. <laughs> it's, it's all good. I, I understand. I think the best move, like I said, like we said at the start of the season, the uh, off season, was that it was a package deal that they both go, or you could even, if you really don't want Howie to go, if you feel forever indebted to him for, for whatever reason, because he brought you a Super Bowl or whatever debt you feel to him, Jeffrey Lloyd, um, then do... Do the Elway approach. Say, I'm going to give you a million dollars, and you're just going to sit in the shadows, and you're going to be VP of salary cap or something. And you can sit in the shadows. You can do your thing. You can keep your office. You can, you know, whatever. It is what it is, you know? And just give them a promotion that's actually a demotion. That would, There was only two ways to go about this. The package deal with him and Peterson going, or... We given uh, given Roseman the the Elway treatment, uh, more money for a demotion essentially, and and bringing in somebody who could really um, make it work, who could really retool on the fly, who could really start addressing. There's a reason that teams do manipulate the cap. But there's a reason that so many teams don't use the dummy years and the void years like like Howie Roseman does. Yeah, that came back. He's a genius. He's a genius. He's smart. He knows how to manipulate. So do most. But you have to be careful. If you put void and dummy years, like if you go in to the Philadelphia Eagles salary cap and you start clicking on players, I would say 75% of the team has void and dummy years, which just means that the year will void, but there will be dead money in that year or dead money in the year after that. There's just dead money. You're just pushing dead money down the road in hopes that the cap continues to rise and continues to rise. And of course, hindsight 2020, no one predicted this year. No one predicted what was going to happen. No one predicted COVID. So obviously, Howie might have been a genius. He might have been on a roll. I mean, the cap situation wouldn't have been great, but he probably would have had money to play with. And then he could have made these moves and he would have had a lot of money to play with. But this happened. And that's why kicking the can down the road and the void and dummy years are not always the smartest decision. You're right. Um, and uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens. And we have like our favorite time of the year coming up with free agency and the draft season. So we'll definitely get those shows in. Um, besides Zach Ertz being traded, which or cut, which is going to happen. What do you think the next big hurdle is for the Philadelphia Eagles? Um, Derek Barnett. Barnett. Something has to happen with him. That's ten million dollars. I think he's like the fifth highest paid player on the team next season. As we get rid of you know, Ertz and Jeffrey and Jack. Once you get rid of those guys, he becomes a top five uh, salary. And he d- has not played like a top five player on this team. Um, is that to say like? You could restructure the deal. You could re-sign him, whatever. You can do that. That's fine. I'm fine with keeping him around, but the, it's got to be reasonable. He, he is not a $10 million player. Or can you figure out a way to move him and get some value back for him? Like we're talking like some 
edge needy team that might be willing to do a third, maybe a fourth. Like, I don't think you're going to get a lot out of it, to be honest. I, you're not going to get back you trade what Derek you Barnett, in him. If you trade, trade Derek Barnett for a fourth round pick, that's another fail for Howie Roseman because he was a, the 15th, 16th pick in the draft. Yep. That's oh, 100% it's a failure, but you, you know that. Nine times out of ten, like, you take a first rounder, if you don't re-sign them and if they don't stay with you, it's pretty much a failure on your side if they move on or if they go somewhere else or or whatever. It's going to be considered a failure no matter whether you're Howie Roseman, no matter who you are. It's going to be considered a failure because that's a first-round pick, and it's supposed to be a bang-on, like, stay with the franchise for life or at least make it through the first contract into a second contract with the team type of player. And, and Derek Barnett just hasn't been there, man. Josh Sweat is producing the – very similar, if actually largely better numbers than Derek Barnett, playing like 20% less snaps. And I yeah. get the injury concerns. I get it. You know what? I understand that. But Josh Sweat's cap hit, Derek Barnett's cap hit. Get rid of Derek Barnett any day and bring in another edge piece. Like bring in a depth edge piece that can prepare you for what if Josh Sweat gets hurt. Because Derek Barnett is too expensive. On that end of it. Speaking of um, Josh Sweat, weren't his numbers similar to uh, Chase Young? And Chase Young like got so much praise. He actually played a lot, and I'm pretty. I sure did Sweat- see. I did see a lot of like like Instagram and then Twitter posts putting the numbers side by side, and yeah, they they were close. And Josh Sweat had this upside. Josh Sweat had this potential, and he's not even playing a hundred, like he's not even playing like Brandon Graham time on the field. Who knows what he'd be doing with an extra 10 or 15% on that snap count. Yeah. And I think he'll have that opportunity this year. Like we don't know what the defense is going to look like. Um, Hopefully they're more aggressive than they were in the past uh, under Schwartz. But that's another intriguing thing to see. You know, I think the 2021 season for the Philadelphia Eagles is going to be all about, obviously, about the future. What does the offense look like? What does the defense look like? Do is Jalen Rager a, pl- a player? Is the person is, is the is the guy they take at number six? Is he a player? Is Jalen Hurts a player? Is My, does Miles Sanders can he handle the load? Can he carry the ball over 250, 300 times a year? Um, on the defensive side of the ball, you know, do they get a cornerback across from Darius Slay? Um, do they finally value the linebacker position? Is Alex Singleton a legit linebacker in the NFL? Like, can he do it for 16 weeks? Um, does that front four, as they are aging, will will they be able to continue to get pressure? Like, a lot of questions will need to be answered, and that's what the 2021 season is going to be all about. Before we wrap up, yeah. just pulled up the numbers quick. Josh Sweat played 14 games, Chase Young 15 games. Obviously, I don't have the exact snap counts, but you can – Probably do the math. It's probably significantly different. The mm-hmm. advanced metrics, 12 QB hits for both. Sweat, nine tackles for a loss. Young, 10. Sweat, six sacks. Young, seven and a half. Um, sweat, three force fumbles. Young, four force fumbles. The div- bigger difference, Chase Young, they actually recovered three of his fumbles. Mm-hmm. Josh Sweat had zero fumble recoveries. So very, very similar. Very, very similar. And you, as you mentioned, Josh Sweat played 20, 25% of the snaps. Um, and, you know, if he could stay healthy, he has a chance to be a legit player. And that's always my thing with Josh Sweat. Like, he looks l- l- lanky. He doesn't look like he has that much, like, mass to him. And he has injury issues. Obviously, he had those injury issues coming out of uh, Florida State. But if he could stay healthy, 
he has a chance to be a player for the Eagles. Absolutely. I think I think this this year this offseason is just getting started. It's gonna be a super fun offseason. It's gonna be super interesting. I don't think it's gonna be super fun in the way that we're gonna be talking about mega free agent signings, mm-hmm. but it's gonna be interesting to see how this team is built, how how he chooses to tool with the little money, and how the draft goes. I'm more excited for the draft. I mean, we look we never know what how he's gonna do. We heard everything that came out post the twenty uh twenty nineteen or twenty twenty draft. And the team wanted this, how he did this. So I'm really interested to see if he just takes takes the advice of his advisors and really goes best player available and tries to really win this draft based on not trying to outsmart other people based on Howie Roseman's big board, but based on the big board of the consensus and just plugging needs for the future in Philadelphia. And next year... It's going to get a lot more interesting. Next year, we're looking at 60, 70, 80 million dollars in cap space, and things become a little more interesting then because that's what's going to make the rebuild happen quick. The retool, I'm not calling it rebuild anymore. The retool, and that's what's going to be the difference between retool or rebuild is killing this draft and taking all that money next year and killing free agency. Yeah, hopefully, we have a new general manager making those decisions next year. I know it's not going to happen, but I, but a guy can dream. <laughs> it's true. It's true. We can dream. But uh, those are the two big things, I think, that separate the retool and the rebuild for us and, and Howie, big time. Yeah, obviously, hopefully they made the right decision and Nick Sirianni is coach, and they make the right decision at number six because that will be big uh, key. And make the right decision in trading Carson Wentz because that will definitely be key going forward. As always, you can follow us on Twitter at the Kelly Green Hour. Follow Connor on Twitter at Connor10. And follow me at Twitter on LJ, at LJ Harrell, excuse me, 54. Please rate and review us wherever you're listening to us as we look to, you know, get guests on throughout the offseason. Um, as we approach draft season, we'll definitely get out our mock drafts. Um, and as free agency opens up and the league year kicks off in about a month, I think, we're, we're – Actually, is it a, a couple of weeks or a month? Something like that. Uh, it's a bit. It's March 17th. March so, 17th. So we are about a month. Which a tampering period would be the, what, the 15th or 16th yeah, so or we're, whatever. We're, we're less than a month away from the league year opening up and the free agency opening. And we will definitely be having, you know, our free agency shows. Obviously, the Eagles might not have a big part of that, but we'll see where the big free agents go in the NFL. For Connor, I'm LJ. Thank you for listening to the Kelly Green Hour.